poverty is here, hunger is here, and some of these things converge together to actually create some of the worst situation that we can can see. As Christians, we feel responsible to, to try to change the narrative by our actions and by our words. So, so changing the narrative, working with my students are to tell them how we are partners with God, co-directors in this world with God. We have to begin to think differently. And I really feel that I have a part to play in that. And that is what I've been doing for a long time with women and with the, uh, the church and now with my students, which I believe that they, they are a, the career of the church that I want to pass on. My name is Angel Torero. I want to welcome you to On Mission with Chris Wright, a podcast produced by Langham Partnership. Visit langham.org to learn more about Langham. What can Christians in Indiana learn from Christians in Indonesia? How can church leaders in Mumbai equip pastors in Miami, which is where I live and serve? On this podcast, we listen in on conversations between Chris Wright and church leaders in Africa, Asia, and Latin America, where my family has their roots. We hope you discover how much wisdom the church in the West has to gain from their sisters and brothers in villages and towns around the world. This podcast is brought to you by the Langham Partnership, a ministry founded by John Stott, to equip church leaders in the majority world. Visit langham.org to learn more about Langham and explore more resources from global church leaders. Our host is Dr. Christopher J.H. Wright, known to many as Chris Wright, a respected theologian and award-winning author of more than 30 books, including critically acclaimed The Mission of God, Unlocking the Bible's Grand Narrative. When he's not writing books, Chris serves as Global Ambassador and Ministry Director for Langham. Today, Chris talks with Lami Bakari of Nigeria. She has been working in some form of ministry since she was baptized at age 12 and is passionate about women in ministry and the unique role they play in God's kingdom. In addition to her work training pastors and future church leaders at a local seminary, Lami is the founding leader of two organizations dedicated to encouraging and discipling women. In her conversation with Chris, Lami shares some unique insights on the concept of partnership and how the partnership in ministry between men and women and the partnership in mission between the majority world and the West can contribute to a healthier and more vibrant global church. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to On Mission with me, Chris Wright. And welcome back if you've listened already to some of these podcasts over the past year or so. Or if this is your first visit, thanks for joining us. Now, in these conversations, I get to have the privilege of taking you really all over the world to meet some of my friends in the global church. And today, we're heading again to Africa and indeed, to its largest country, that is at least by population, the country of Nigeria. And my guest today is Lame Rikwe Bakari Ibrahim. And Lame, welcome to you. Thank you for meeting you, uh, Dr. Wright. I'm excited meeting you today for the first time, face to face. 
Yes, yeah. indeed, it is our first time. Uh, often I'm I'm having a chat with people that I know quite well and have met before, but uh, although you are a, a Langham scholar, uh, yeah. we've never actually managed to meet. So it's good to see you now face to face. Now, let me just tell our, our listeners a little bit about you, and then I'll, I'll ask you to fill in more of the background detail about yourself. Um, Lammy really has been a, a very busy woman for nearly 40 years now of Christian ministry, and uh, she's founded two schools and worked as a hospital chaplain. And along with her husband, Bakary, she's planted seven churches. And in the midst of that, she also did a theological degree, first of all, in her home country in Nigeria, in Jos, at the Equa Theological Seminary, which I visited, by the way, some years ago. Uh, she did her MA there, and then she did a, a, a master's in theology in California and eventually finished up doing a PhD in uh, Trinity International University in Deerfield, Illinois. And she graduated from there in 2015 with a, a PhD in intercultural studies. And of course, now is back in her home country in Nigeria, serving the Lord there. So, Lamy, we need, we always like to begin just by asking people to tell us a little bit about themselves. So, can you share a bit about your yourself, um, where, you know, where you live, where you've come from in Nigeria, and how you came to faith in the Lord and to be serving him today? Thank you very much for that uh, wonderful introduction. Uh, to add to what um, uh, Dr. Wright has said, I came from uh, Miango to Jos. I live in Jos right now, but I'm Rigwe by tribe from the nation of Rigwe. And uh, I work right now in Nigeria, and I'm working with uh, uh, Josequa Theological Seminary, Jets. And how I came to faith, I came to faith through uh, listening to the gospel team. But before that time, I was uh, born into the church. And so when I was born, I was like a church baby. And our mother would talk to us about how we can enjoy heaven. We are going to go to heaven. We are going to enjoy heaven. And and and. And so I was excited that I was going to enjoy heaven, but someday uh, during my, uh, my Sunday school at about six years old, my Sunday school teacher talked about heaven and she says something like, you cannot go to heaven on the account of your mother or your father. You have to have faith in Christ for yourself to go to heaven. And so that, I don't know what happened. Maybe she didn't give us the invitation to come to receive Christ. But, you know, I became so sad because I was already jumping and happy on my way to heaven. And suddenly today, my teacher was saying, you cannot go to heaven on the account of your mother. You know, every day I see my mother holding my hands to heaven. So this mm -hmm. day uh, was hard. So, but God helping me uh, that evening, the gospel team used to go from place to place, from village to village, clan to clan. And that evening, the gospel team came to my own place. And so my mother, as usual, took us to the field where the message was being preached. 
And so after the message was preached and the preacher gave the offer, if you want to receive Jesus Christ uh, so that you can go to heaven, uh, then you can uh, come forward. And so I told my mother and I told her I want to go uh, into the middle to be prayed for. I want to receive Jesus. And so she led me by the hand again into the cycle where we were prayed for. And I tell you, I was young, but till today, the joy of that body lifted off me, still keep me going. And I wanted to tell everyone about this thing that God has just done for me. And so that is how I came to faith, and that is how I kept running with this faith. And even as a child, I understand you were able to help others and even to be teaching others, uh, even yeah. even as a young girl. True. Yeah. I, I, where we lived, because many people, when they come to faith, they move from the house of the world, that is the way they called it, to the house of Christ. And so, but my mother, when she came to faith, her husband was still an unbeliever. In fact, he was the priest of the religious cult of the people. And before she came to faith too, she was a priestess. She was the, the, the queen, if you want, uh, leading other women. And so when she came to faith, she couldn't leave the community to join the Christian community. So she continued to live in that place. And so many times we were the only kids, my sister and myself, leaving the community to go to church. So we have our friends. So sometimes we go and I will steal these little ones. In fact, one of the girls just told me that, do you remember when you used to come to steal me to church? <laughs> I said, I've forgotten really. You say you still, and then she, when she remember, when she reminded me of the episode, I can remember it. Mm -hmm. And so we did that. And, 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 and at 13, I was already teaching in the adult Sunday school. Wow. I was uh, a gas brigade officer at 14 and uh, was in the youth fellowship and in the choir. I was all over the place <laughs> because I just wanted to let other, others know this kind of deliverance that I found in Christ. So it seems that, in a sense, you were from a very early age already uh, being gifted by God as a, as a teacher, which is, which is what you've continued to be. Lamy, there is something about that story which echoes with me a little bit because I also personally came to faith in Jesus for myself at the age of six. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> again, with uh, with uh, parents who were certainly teaching me the Bible and an older brother who, who told me I needed to put my faith in Jesus for myself. Uh, so I did. So that's a, it's a story that um, echoes with me as well. Yeah. Let's, um, let's talk a bit about Nigeria, your home country. Uh, obviously, most of those who will be listening to us have, will not have the joy or opportunity to be there. It, it is, as I said, a very large country. In fact, uh, it's, it's the largest country by population in Africa. Um, I was just looking up some facts today, and apparently the, the population of Africa now is 1.3 billion, 
And I remember when, when my wife and I lived in India back in the 1980s, we always knew that Africa was about four to 500 million only. So the, the growth in the continent is amazing, and they estimate there'll be 2 billion in Africa by 2040. Um, I think the population of Nigeria now is about just over 200 million, 212 million. Yeah. And I, I often like to help people to see something of the size of countries. And uh, I, I looked it up and discovered that uh, Nigeria is about one and a half times the size of Texas for our American listeners. Um, if you put a, a square between Chicago and New York at the top and brought it down to Atlanta, Georgia in the south, that would be approximately the size of, of Nigeria. So it's, it's a yeah. big country. Um, yeah. But tell us a bit about it, because, you know, is there a Nigerian language, for example? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, happy, I'm happy about that question. Well, many times when people talk about see us, they talk about Africans and all of us are Africans. Yeah, but we belong to different countries. Uh, Nigeria has like over 200 languages and every quote-unquote everybody in Nigeria speak at least two languages uh, because we have the the language of uh, English which is the language of uh, uh, education and we have uh, like those of us in the north Nigeria is divided basically into major three faction. Those of us in the North speak Hausa. And so very often people will call us Hausa, but actually within the middle belt, we have close to 200 languages. Mm. And uh, down South also we have Yoruba and we have Igbo mm. in the, uh, in the in the east and Yoruba on the west, so people will speak Yoruba and speak English, or speak Igbo and speak English, speak Hausa and you speak English, which is the general language of education. Uh, but many people speak more than that. Like for me, I speak properly. I will speak three languages, but I can read and hear and communicate in more than that. Mm. So many, many Nigerians will speak more than that. Yes, and, that's yeah. very much like when we lived in India, that most of our Indian friends were at least trilingual. They could speak mm -hmm. English and their state language and their native mother tongue as well. And I used to feel very inferior <laughs> only yeah. knowing one language. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. So in, in some ways, Nigeria really um, is in many ways a constructed sort of country in the sense that you have these three major groups in the north with Hausa Fulani and then southwest with Yoruba and the east with Igbo. And the fact that it is one country really goes back to the British colonial era, doesn't it, when it was kind of glued together under the British protectorate uh, yeah. from back in the 19th and early 20th century. Yeah. Yeah. So does that history still resonate with people much or is it so long in the past now that people really don't remember that, or at least it's not part of the, the consciousness of the people. You've got obviously the more recent issues of the post-independence in 1960 with the Civil War and then the various republics and the uh, time of the, uh, the army and so on. How, how, how does the country feel about itself at the moment? Uh, 
right now, because of all the things that are happening in the country, uh, the insecurity, uh, the, this different factions are actually beginning to feel how very different they are from each other. Because when nepotism, tribalism, and all of those things happen in the highest places, the ordinary person is imparted. And when you talk about who I am, asking the question, you begin to look for your roots. And so today, when we hear the political fashions that are happening, we hear about Kano, we are hearing about Boko Haram and the Fulani in the north uh, are claiming there are claiming that we own this place and the other people are saying, no, you actually belong to a place and we have this place. Like in the middle belt, those of us from the middle belt, where just is, where I am, and uh, Rigueland is, where we have actually been battling the, with the Fulani people, uh, uh, everybody is beginning to know how uh, very small they are and the others are, but we can come together to live in peace when we desire to live in peace. But if not, everybody is ready to actually defend who they are and their, and their space mm -hmm. because there are a lot of encroachment in space. Mm -hmm. So now that history is often remembered with lots of sorrow yeah. and lots of pain. Mm. that we needed not to be merged together, mm. but that everybody would have stayed on their own. But Nigeria with peace is a better, is, is better, bigger than small. Mm. But yes, yeah. when it's not happy, when it's not well, insecurity, mm. you begin to want to look for a little corner and just hide. Yes. It is, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, in, in the... As you say, the north is not only a uh, house of Fulani, but also predominantly Muslim, whereas the south of the country is predominantly Christian in a broad sense. And, and that too has added to the conflict and the tension. And I think people are very aware you know, in the west of the, the persecution and the violence that is particularly happening in the north, including even in Plateau State and places like Jos, mm -hmm. where you are yourself, which uh, is, has traditionally been such a beautiful city with... Uh, with a wonderful story. Yeah, that's yeah. very sad. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel that the Christian church in Nigeria responds to some of these issues, like, as you say, the factionalism, the division of the country and the corruption that's there and in high places and so on? Because the Christian church in Nigeria is also enormous, isn't it? I mean, the, the, the denominations are, are vast. Yeah, yeah. Um, well... Uh, the Christian response to some of this is to continue to want to be the church, the representative of Jesus Christ. And um, as a, a, a missiologist, my, my embrace of what I picture what the church is doing right now in the light of uh, what Waltz and Rust called the marks of missions in the 21st century, which is a proclamation. The church have one is five marks. Uh, the church have continued to proclaim uh, Christ to those who have not heard, because we believe that if people really know Christ, that um, 
the way we will act will be different to each other. So we will continue to do that. But also we are aware that the scriptures have talked about some of these things that we should expect as Christians. So we are believing God and trying to live uh, within this moment, uh, doing the things that we are called to do. Although within this, we are also seeing um, uh, uh, the challenge of uh, people going back to former ways to seek protection because of insecurity. Mm -hmm. And so the church is aware of this. The more we get the sense that this is happening, the more we are made to want to pray and continue to proclaim and also to continue to disciple people, to disciple people. If we disciple people correctly, we hope that many will continue to be the light where they ought to be, even with the disturbing uh, situations. And again, we are worried about how uh, unjust structures are really being used to harm the community, the general population. And so as Christians, we feel responsible to, to know, to try to change the narrative by our actions and by our words. Like today, I, I was um, with my class. I, have a, I had a class in transformational development. So poverty is here, hunger is here, and some of these things converge together to actually create some of the worst situation that we can, can see. So uh, as a church, there is more talk about relief today than ever before. There is more talk about trying to be self-sufficient, uh, find your food, and that is care for environment, right? Mm -hmm. As we clean, as we walk the ground, we are keeping it healthy and it's benefiting us. So we did uh, briquettes today, trying to create alternative work. And uh, we, do, I, we, we did some uh, bread and things like that so that the student, I had uh, 52 students. So they came to my house today and for two weeks we've been doing this so that, um, so that we can create a, a situation that will fight the suffering of people, especially for hunger and then also be able to give out mm -hmm. as we work with our hands. Because uh, uh, Walsh and Ross talk about uh, 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 responding to human needs with loving service. That sounds very, that's, yeah. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. I, I was just thinking that that sounds very different from what we often hear in uh, the prosperity gospel, where if you're hungry or in need or sick, just pray and God will give you the blessings and the riches and the wealth and all that. What you're saying is that there is also a Christian biblical calling uh, yeah. to work, to uh, earn and to cultivate the land uh, and mm -hmm. to do to work within God's creation for God's glory and for human benefit, which is a, a very different kind of message to the uh, what we hear of the prosperity gospel kind of preaching. Yeah, I, I, and we think some of those prosperity gospel preaching are some of the things that are really hampering us because 
how many people within that, those communities are actually prosperous as the top few that are actually talking? But if we want to make the, the, the impact that we ought to make in the world, we have to reach the, the, the grassroots. And reaching the grassroots, the, 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 the thing that God has given us freely is our health, our hands, our, the land where he has given us, He's giving us the air. He's giving us uh, the water. So all of those things uh, in themselves, uh, we want to call them water. We want to call them land. We want to call them air mass and whatever. But in reality, that is where the riches of God mm. are actually lay because man was created to work the ground to what God hand over this to them. So, so changing the narrative, working with my students are to tell them how we are partners with God, co-directors in this world with God. And because we are, we have to be creative on using the things that God have given us instead of uh, actually begging, instead of, and, and you know that Africa and, 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 and Nigeria uh, have been in this dependency uh, culture for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so if we are going to own this land that God has given us and our people, we have to begin to think differently. And I really feel that I have a part to play in that. Mm -hmm. And that is what I've been doing for a long time Mm -hmm. with women and with uh, uh, the church and now with my students, Mm -hmm. which I believe that they they are the carrier of the change that I want to pass on. We'll come to your work among women in a minute, but I was just thinking of that class you said you were teaching today. Are they... Those in your class, are they going to be leaders and pastors in churches of several different denominations or, or just one denomination? Or what, what is their background and what will their future be? You know, one thing that I have seen recently, uh, we used to have every every denomination. I don't want to say every kind of denomination, but just is blessed that we are not really kind of denominational, you have to be equal or this, but we are open as an umbrella that can receive people who want to be trained and to be leaders in their churches, wherever they are. And so recently, like in in my department right now, I have two Roman Catholic students and, uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is it. Let's go. Let them come. The one said he wants, he's he's not studying to be a priest, but he's studying because he was um, uh, uh, delivered from uh, uh, drug addiction. And now he wants to be able, and the environment where they live is so much a jungle that uh, young people are really, really perishing in that route. So he wants to go back to these people and reach them. So he thought Jets provide for him the opportunity and the mission department provide for him the kind of opportunity of learning so that he can go back to give. And, and, and 
And I'm excited about that. And this year, she's in her year one. Um, she came in, she's a market uh, woman. And she came in, she wants to study mission. She's in the choir, she's in all of this in her church, but she wants to study mission so that she can go back and reach the people where she is. And uh, so mm. I, I, I'm just seeing God is doing something, mm. not only uniting the body of Christ, but putting a kind of body in the life of people so that they can yearn for training, wherever the training is. Mm. They want to get it so that they go back. And so yeah. on our own part is to, to try to be uh, like the next thing, the, one of the, the, the things is the uh, uh, transforming unjust structures. Those structures that limit us, that make us to castigate other people. Even when they're Christians, we castigate against them because of where they are standing, where they belong to. I, I, I see that as um, uh, fighting such structures when we allow other people from, from other sister denominations and churches to mm. come to learn under our programs. That's, that's great. And I just uh, should clarify that uh, you referred several times to JETS, which stands for Joss Equa Theological Seminary. Uh, yeah. which is uh, a foundation of the Equa Church, which is one of the larger denominations there in Nigeria uh, and has other seminaries uh, in, in other parts of the country yes. um, mm -hmm. with a number of other Langham scholars serving in them. We'll, we'll come to that in a moment too. What um, fascinated me there for a moment was that you mentioned people who are interested in mission and missions. And of course, many people in Western countries still think that missionaries are Western people who go to places like Africa. But uh, I know that Nigeria now has one of the largest missionary sending churches in the world. Uh, and the uh, Nigerian Association of, of, of Mission Agencies is, is strong. Uh, can you give us any idea of, of, of what that is doing and where Nigerian missionaries are and where they're going uh, and so, some idea of that? <laughs> Yeah, again, uh, uh, walls have impacted me a lot. And recently we are talking about the, uh, the cross-cultural age, uh, where missionaries uh, go from, from, from everywhere to everywhere. Yes. And because this is the global community that we are living in. So Nigerian missionaries are all over the place. And Equa as a denomination has the EMS of Equa, which Bakari was uh, its immediate administrator. Uh, yeah, he just changed space uh, last year. Uh, they have missionaries all over the world, in the UK, in the US, and uh, in other African countries. And then we know of people that have uh, Nigerians in the Ukraine and all over the place. So Nigerian missionaries are all over the place. But also, we are aware that mission, we continue to be mission. The total mission of God is not only to go to preach to the unsaved, but also to be able to nurture and to help, you know, uh, 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 the, 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 this big package of God's work in the duration of recovering and restoring and redeeming that which is lost is, is, 
is, is a big picture that each one of us, wherever we are, have to be tilted to, towards that duration. So Nigerian missionaries, some are here in the country and some are all over the place in yeah, the world. Indeed. Do you have any idea uh, how many missionaries there are even in EMS, the uh, Evangelical Mission Society of Equa, which is only one Nigerian mission, but give us an idea of how many missionaries would be supported through EMS. Do you know? They have they have an over 1,000 missionaries. Yeah. And that they makes have it... They 1,000 missionaries. And when you yeah. put them in spouses, mm -hmm. they will be having close to 3,000 yeah. or more missionaries yeah. which makes it a large mission organization by any standards uh, yes. in, in the world yeah that's that's yeah. remarkable and um w here in the uk as you said uh, there are a large number of nigerians not only as missionaries but of course nigerian churches in fact some of the largest churches in the uk here in britain uh, are led by nigerians and uh, one of them, of course, has recently come to us in Langham. That is our, our brother Tayo Arikawe, mm -hmm. uh, who um, was a Nigerian mission, missionary in the Gambia, uh, church planting, training pastors. Then he came to, uh, to be an associate pastor in a church in Bristol in the UK. Uh, and then he became uh, the director of, of ministry at the London City Mission, working among the poor and, and responsible for a body of over 200 missionaries in London. And now, since April of this year, Tayo has become the international director for Langham Partnership. So uh, mm -hmm. to me, that's a great joy that, that one of your fellow countrymen uh, is is now the, the head of Langham Partnership. I, I'm sure that brings joy to your heart as well. Do you, <laughs> did you happen to know Tayo by any chance? Uh, I have only heard of him. I've not met him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but he's a very popular name. Mm -hmm. So so I hope to meet him one day. <laughs> I, I'm sure you will, indeed. Yeah. Let, let's think a little bit about, about Langham. I, I just did a little check today, and uh, you are actually one of 18 Langham scholars uh, from Nigeria. And, mm -hmm. of course, you yourself um, have published your dissertation as a Langham monograph uh, yeah. just this year, in July 2021. And yeah. its title, it, I'd love you to talk a bit about it and, and then tell us how it came to be. Uh, the title is Women in Mission, uh, SIM Equa Women in Nigeria from 1923 to 2013. And, and this is your published dissertation um, mm. that you did at Trinity. And obviously this was, uh, is, was and still is a passion of yours of the contribution that women have made in the history of the church and particularly in Nigeria and your own life's dedication to to serving them and encouraging and blessing and teaching and training them. So tell us a bit about how that all came about and, and what you're mm -hmm. doing in that area now. Yeah, uh, just like I started telling you about my conversion and so I thought my calling was to everybody to every Christian, anyone that needed to hear about Christ. But as I journey alone, I have found myself drawn to serving women uh, as a very young person. And at that I just found um, that my teacher could look at me and call me to serve in the Women's uh, Institute or to lead different women that we are struggling with their uh, learning and uh, teaching them how to uh, and uh, 
doing other stuff with them. And when I went to uh, Zabolo um, Bible School then, uh, in 1982, I, I found myself assigned to the Women Institute. So I, I, I work with, with the, the children and the women. Although I taught math and English in the, men, in the men's section, but yet my, my time with the women was so, so rewarding. I just feel that there is something, you need to know something and I get in there. I want to just uh, like open their heart and just put some things. And I mean, I, I had that passion, but I never knew that that was the duration until uh, I went back to the seminary and my uh, teachers, or well, along the way, people will ask me, Rami, you, you need to write something about women's liberation, like the one to Gerard Mayer said, women liberation. I said, no, nothing about women liberation because Christ has already liberated me. So we are liberated <laughs> in Christ. So we don't need anything about women's liberation. But honestly, it struck me along the journey that I have a part to, and I've been playing it, being the girls' brigade, I taught girls, and I love it, and I still like it today because I look at that as an opportunity to nurture the girl child and nurture the women to be the women that they ought to be. Mm -hmm. And I look at my history, I cannot be complete without the girls' brigade in my life mm -hmm. because it taught me to stand up even in the midst of, to find my place, even in the midst of... Uh, Sometimes the church that you could feel, oh, you are the minority. Do you have to be here, you know? But again, that gave me the excitement to keep following Jesus Christ wherever he's taking me and whatever. So that, that piece is what make me again add to, oh, now that you are a Christian, you need to know how exciting that it is to follow Jesus Christ in this world, the rugged road. Yeah. And so that is, that is, that is my passion. And, and that I continue to be that women need to find themselves because the world need them. Yeah. Christ have saved them yeah. and God is invested in them so much that mm. they cannot sit back. They have to be fully involved and active. So I, I never felt the, 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 I mean, the resistance because you are a woman, you are not welcome here, you cannot go here. I went to the farm, I went to touch roof, I went to build houses with my father and, and everywhere he went. I was with him. Mm. So, so getting into the Bible college, it was a big shock for me that there was a way you have to behave because you are a woman. And so that began to close me in. Mm. But somewhere in the seminary, I, I did this subject that talked about self-image mm -hmm. and that I, I recovered myself. And I decided adding to everything that every young woman, every woman will need to discover herself because mm -hmm. through Christ, that is the only way that you can feel blessed with what God is asking you to do.
You are not doing it because of anybody, but because of what God has given you and invested in you to do. Mm-hmm. You want to feel that. And I keep telling women, mm-hmm. I said on that day, a girl will not ask you who stopped you from fulfilling your purpose, but it will be what have you done with the things that I have given you. Yeah. And because of that, I desire to work along them. Do you think so, that attitude that you encountered when you first went to Bible college that, you know, a woman shouldn't be doing this or that's not right for a woman, was that coming, do you think, simply from the culture and from, you know, men always having expected to, to do it simply because of a more patriarchal kind of attitude? Or were, was it a theological reason that they were giving for that? Uh, how, how have you reflected on that aspect of church life where sometimes women are told, well, you're not allowed to do this or that for theological or uh, biblical reasons? Well, I, I think, again, I, I speak like this book now. Some people are talking and they said, you talk about release of women, that is a feminism. And I say, yeah, because, you know, we need to look at it many sides and talk about um, what does uh, feminism means. And I, and I quote those uh, uh, popular theologians that said, if feminism is to see uh, the women... Uh, the, the, the women are not oppressed, uh, that they're able to function the right way that we are created to be, then they're feminists too. I say, well, because of that, we need to understand from, we see things from different sides. It could be interpretation from biblical, uh, interpretation from the man's perspective, but also women, we'll have to see from the Bible, what does the Bible say about them? And you know, it's, it's not easy for another person to be talking about another person, especially when they have interests. So we need to, all of us, surrender what is our interest and then use the Bible correctly because sometimes I think the wrong use of the Bible have actually beaten women down. Mm. And so um, uh, I remember a discussion with one of my professors in uh, Trinity. They was talking about women issues are not longer the, the, the top high issues now in the, uh, uh, in the church because uh, it, they have a missiological discuss, uh, discussion and uh, uh, the, the 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 rating of what we are, how important was women issue was quite low and so then i asked him how many women were in the room when that discussion was happening and i think there were about three women so if their representation is very low uh the majority of the people are going to um, take the, the majority vote. Mm. So sometimes looking at things like that does not really give us the right uh, perspective where things are on. You've, you've actually founded uh, 
some organisations to help in that way. One is the Christian Women Development Network International, but also mm. the Priscilla Group, which fascinates mm. me. That presumably is named after Priscilla and Aquila in the New Testament. Uh, yeah. She's a wonderful hero. I think um, some of the finest women that I know around the world uh, in biblical preaching and teaching I think of as Priscilla's. So yeah. t- tell us a little bit about the Priscilla Group and, and uh, any, any of the other uh, organizations that you're founding or leading. Yeah, I, I, we started the Priscilla in, in response to uh, the struggles of the pastor's wives uh, uh, around Jet. And so uh, I was uh, part of the very first people and the key, one of the key leaders of uh, Priscilla. And that was to, so that we can pray because there was so much uh, 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 bad relationships among pastors and the pastor's kids we are struggling. And also economically, we we are struggling and uh, we didn't want to preach the word uh, because of our stomach. So that our husbands, we and our husbands will not be preaching because we need food but we wanted to be able to create partnership among us so that we encourage every month we, we met, we encourage one another and seek for avenue for economic empowerment. And that really, really helped us to send our children, uh, encourage our children to continue to go to school and to uh, send ourselves back to school and uh, one thing that I said to Laham before, it was that for an African woman to reach where to do a PhD, we, we, we struggle a lot because marrying young and you have a family and with poor uh, economic situation, the first person you will think to go to school is the husband and the children. But if you make a little extra, almost all of us went back to school because there was a little extra. So Priscilla is uh, uh, empowered women. That's wonderful. I wonder, um, you've lived in America, obviously, when you were doing your PhD and also your THM. Mm -hmm. um, And you must have observed uh, our Western churches and uh, how they are and um, what their situation is. What, What do you think the church in the West perhaps particularly America, but I'm obviously here in London and in Britain. And uh, What do you think the church in the West needs to hear from uh, the church in Nigeria uh, or to learn from the church in Nigeria? How can, how can the voice of uh, a global church like in Nigeria speak into what we need to hear here in the West? Well, I, I, I think we need, first of all, to see ourselves as together. Uh, I was I was I was in a class and uh, somebody was talking about resources in church planting that they are stopping uh, the like the wish the people uh, financial support that go f- through to church planting in in other countries in the majority world should be controlled. Didn't say stop exactly. I don't want to use that word. But I said, if we can see ourselves and see opportunity in the, this thing together, as partners together, if you have the resources and they have the people, how do we converge this together? So let's look at people 
remove uh, our own tribalism and racism, embrace one another as the body of Christ, and use every resources we have, left and right, here and there. Embrace one another and use those resources for Christ. One thing that I seek not to really emphasize as the major world church historians and mystiology have said, the shift uh, from the global, uh, from the, 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 the northern hemisphere to the southern hemisphere. I keep asking myself, can we be uh, 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 vibrant in the, can we continue to be uh, vibrant in the North and continue to occupy in the South? How can we do that? I think when we realize our partnership together, then we will be able to uh, achieve that. Thank you. That's so, so, that's so, that's so good to hear because the Church of God is global. It is all over the world, and uh, and uh, as you put it, we want the church in the south is growing, but the church in the north doesn't have to die for that yes. to happen. And and one of the ways in which God will preserve, I think, the church in the north and the west will be precisely through the growth and the fellowship and the contribution of the churches in the south, like yourself. Uh, yes. And uh, and that that is the way God is working, and it's one of the things that brings us great joy as the Langham Partnership is to is to play a part in that. Uh, that by working to strengthen the churches in the majority world, we're mm. also enabling God to strengthen the church in the West. It's uh, yeah. it's a joint thing. So that's that's wonderful to be able mm. to to hear you say that. Um, so what comes next for you? So for me, uh, recently at the dedication of this uh, book, I've been thinking about how to continue to do what I love doing. Uh, so I, I, I announced to them of uh, this being um, a faithful, my desire to be a faithful and easygoing uh, companion uh, for women in this journey that we've been thinking about some of the issues that are happening right now in our country and how these are impacting women emotionally and spiritually. We want to be able to work with and, and even the seminary I have seen I've lost uh, vibrant students uh, the student will go to to sleep and student will not wake up. Uh, two women died like that. Mm. And uh, I know that there are some of them that are actually suffering. And uh, apart from hardship of other things, there are uh, 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 home uh, violence and things like that. So I want to be able to work with them. And uh, that is something that uh, hopefully in this uh, next week that will be up and running uh, so that uh, I asked myself while in jets, what can I do? Yes. And uh, sometimes I feel like quitting. This particular day, I really felt like that because uh, uh, we, we in the faculty, we are like only two women now. Mm. And uh, when certain things happen, you can just feel you pass by because you are a woman and these are things that you can do 
like uh, preaching and I was trained to preach when I went to the Bible college. Mm -hmm. And I worked as a, a chaplain for seven years. Mm -hmm. And so that was never anything. But when you come to the theological cycle, especially in the evangelical cycle, uh, sometimes that is a big deal. And especially right now in our midst, um, so I, I sat there and I, this day I was just feeling that, oh my, what am I doing here? Because I, I think when these students graduate, what would they do with what they are learning? And the opportunity are limited. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I just felt that inside voice uh, this is where you are here. You can't quit because you need to be show them the example, be the encouragement that they need to see, and they will keep going. So I'm looking forward to that day that people will be embraced and allow the opportunity to work, and not because of uh, their sex, mm -hmm. but rather that they will be working because God had called them, and people recognize that there is a, a calling in their lives and place them there. So that is one thing that I'm working at right now, but mm -hmm. also by next year, I'm due for sabbatical. Uh -huh. So though I've not secured a place, I'm still working yeah. for a place for my sabbatical. Well, so, I hope so. Yeah, and then you'll the be able to write you, and you'll be able to write another book and and you'll need to make it a book that is not quite a langham monograph but uh, something yeah. that will be a more popular level uh with okay. with maybe some of those stories that you researched and and uh, and then the empowerment and the encouragement of women and i'm so glad to hear that uh, that you are on the faculty there at jets in uh, in joss uh, because mm -hmm. it is a very influential and significant seminary indeed you have a you've have a doctoral program there i think uh, we've had langham yeah. scholars actually doing their PhDs yeah. there at, uh, at JETS, um, Josek with Theological Seminary. So uh, it's a good place for you to be. It's where the Lord wants you at the moment. So I've been talking here with uh, Lamy Bakari uh, about her life and her work and her ministry among women uh, and all that she's doing there in Nigeria. Lamy, it's wonderful talking to you. Uh, what can we pray for you? And then I'll finish with a prayer. Okay. Uh, I want you to pray. I'm still writing for, for where to go and for my family that we will keep on doing the things that God is allowing us to do. We have been involved uh, not only in the, um, in the teaching, but also relief programs because uh, I am uh, an executive with this other board, uh, Maraba African Life Foundation. Uh, we... We, we train young women with um, skills, work skills and life skill. And then uh, the program that I talk about is, is an extension of that. So I pray that the people that come into the program, that they will continue to find their footings. Mm -hmm. And I want to thank God for keeping us together in the midst of this violence in Nigeria and uh, the peace that he has given us to continue to serve him. And uh, I think basically is good health, uh, strength, to keep doing what we are doing because, uh, you see, about 60 means that you are about the corner out. 
But I want to, that at the end of my journey at Jet and wherever, that I will be satisfied that I've done what God had called me to yeah. do. Amen. Yes. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this conversation with Lamy. And we pray for her writing and for this sabbatical that uh, she wants to have and to where that should be and that you will enable her to produce good work. We pray also for her continuing support for these various ministries, not only of teaching there at JETS, but also uh, with the organizations that are teaching women skills and employment. And we pray particularly, Lord, that you would protect her and her husband, Bakari, and just protect them especially from both from COVID and the, uh, the disease and also physically from the violence that is so much part of almost everyday life now in that part of Nigeria. And we're so grieved by that. And we ask, Lord, that you will please protect your people there through the power of your Holy Spirit and your guardian angels. Be with them, Lord, we pray. Thank you for this conversation. Uh, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I'm so encouraged by Lamy's work of empowering women in ministry and pushing through barriers and boundaries to expand God's kingdom. What a great reminder for us to break out of our comfort zone and serve God in boldness and courage. Again, I'm Angel Torero, and thank you for joining me for On Mission with Chris Wright, a podcast produced by Langham Partnership. Visit langham.org to discover how they multiply and equip leaders around the world. If you enjoyed today's conversation, will you let us know by giving us a review and sharing this with a friend? And then join me for future episodes where we'll be talking to leaders in Zambia, Palestine, Kenya, Brazil, and beyond. We look forward to having you join for our next episode of On Mission with Chris Wright. In the meantime, God bless.